Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey guys, what's going on? Joe McCall here, the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Got another episode for you today. I'm interviewing a gentleman named Nick Fulmer, and we're going to be talking about a small little niche in real estate about recovering surplus funds. And it's a niche that you might have heard of before, but it's pretty unique. Not a lot of people know about it. And our guest, Nick, is doing really, really well with it. He's been doing really well with this for a number of years. And so I'm excited to talk about this with Nick. Before we jump in, and we're not going to waste much time here, I want to talk about my free report. You can get this free report, my five top strategies for finding deals, even in this crazy market in 2021. And this is, I have some I have had some favorite marketing strategies the last, well, couple years, but even especially now in 2021, where I have been finding deals. My students have been finding deals. Just got a text from a friend today. We're closing on two vacant land deals in the next few days, probably next week, he says here, where we close on it after we find a buyer for it. So I'm not sure what our profits are on those, but our land deals, we've been averaging about 10 to $15,000 profit on each of them, sometimes more. So yeah, this stuff works. It's not just theory, it's stuff that we are actually doing. So if you want this free report, my five top strategies for finding deals in 2021, absolutely free, I want you to go to this website right here, dodealswithjoe.com slash report. I know it's a long URL. I wish it was shorter, but dodealswithjoe.com slash report. You get this thing for free. If you were listening to my podcast yesterday or whenever you're listening to this a few days ago, this thing, I gave you the wrong URL. So this is the right one. Do deals with joe.com slash report. Cool. Uh, one more thing, you know, we're doing this live right now on YouTube and Facebook. And so if you're watching this, please comment down below. Tell us where you're from. Say hi. Uh, type in your questions in the chat or in the comments, whether you're on YouTube or Facebook, type something in the comments right now. Give me a thumbs up. Say hi. Tell me where you're from. Say hello. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, please. And also, if you're listening to this on an audio podcast, welcome. I'm really glad you're here. I've been doing my audio podcast for over 10 years at Real Estate Investing Mastery, over a thousand episodes, I don't know, 10 million plus downloads. So uh, yeah, you guys are my people, my audio podcast listeners. Thank you for being here. And Al has already said, hey, what's up, everyone? What's up, Al? So when you type in your comments in the Facebook or YouTube chat, you get to participate. Okay. All right. Let's bring uh, Nick Fulmer on. Nick, how are you, my man? I'm doing great, Joe. How are you, man? Nice. Very good. A little bit of a cold, so that's why I sound the way I do, but I'm good. Well, you sound fine. Oh, good. I love how your books are white and then black. That is my wife's doing. I I can't take credit for that. (laughs) Are you serious? (laughs) It's not like subject matter or type of book. It's just the color. Well, there is. I mean, there's two types of books on here. There's real estate books and there's financial books. And that's pretty much it. Oh, well, that's good. I mean, mine's a mess. If you looked at my bookshelf, I'm I'm impressed. All right, Nick. Hey, welcome to the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, Joe. I appreciate it, man. Nick, uh, where are you from? I am from uh, Utah, so I'm about 30 minutes south of Salt Lake City. All right, cool. And how long have you been in the real estate game? I've been in real estate since I got started in 2014. Started out part-time. I was At the time, I was working as a corrections officer, but 2014 is where I started. Full-time? Part-time. So, part-time. Yep, was working as a as a prison guard at the Utah State Prison, 
and quickly found out that's not what I wanted to do for the next 20 or 30 years. And someone said, well, lots of millionaires are made in real estate. So that's what I started. That's the path I went down and started out part-time, started out wholesaling, uh, then got into what I do now, which is recovering surplus funds and overages. All right. So um, how did you get into wholesaling? I bought a course. Okay. Yeah, I started watching YouTube videos and came across a, a gentleman and bought his course and did what he told me to do and did a few successful deals on my own. And Well, before I ask whose course it was, was it a good course? It was an excellent course. All right. Who's, whose was it then? Uh, it was a guy named Jerry Norton. I know Jerry. Good yep. guy. I had him on the show recently. Yep. Jerry is awesome. Um, fantastic course. Did really well with it. Really recommend his stuff for sure. All right, cool. And uh, wholesaling is a great strategy. We're still doing deals today. Why'd you stop? Um, I stopped because I found something else. I found this strategy of overages and surplus funds. And I just liked it better than wholesaling for a few reasons. Number one is there seemed to be less people doing it. So I was like, okay, uh, if there's less competition, I like that. Number two, I felt that it was a... Wholesaling is a great service in certain circumstances. You you are solving problems for people, but the whole idea of wholesaling right is to get a discount on a property. So you're you're saying, okay, how much can you sell me your house for that's you know less than retail or whatever? Whereas with overages, I'm saying, hey, I understand you lost your home. Would you like me to get you some money? So there's two different sales there, right? One is, hey, what's what discount can I get versus can I give you some money? So that's an easier sell. I um, totally get it. And I don't like, I, I don't come from a sales background. You know, correction officer is probably one of the least salesy jobs out there. So <laughs> I just had better success with it. And that, so that's just what I chose to do. All right, cool. So how did you learn about it? I also bought a course. I love courses. <laughs> and I noticed the uh, traffic secrets, expert secrets, dot com secrets there behind you. Yep. And the two comma club award. Yep. I love it. Um, I, was, I just actually, before we started, was booking my tickets to Funnel Hacking Live in Orlando and got my hotel. Those of you that don't know what we're talking about, um, a guy named Russell Brunson, I've known for years and years, um, and we're actually good friends. He does these huge events in Orlando with like three, four, 5,000 people. It's called Funnel Hacking Live. And uh, they teach about internet marketing. It's a really good workshop. I'd highly recommend any of you all listening to this. It has nothing to do with real estate. Although he did say he's going to start, he's going to talk about virtual real estate. Which, did you hear about that? I didn't actually. And it's not like doing deals virtually. It's actually buying old businesses and old websites and turning them into a profit, applying our internet marketing ninja ninjury nice. to it and turning it into a profit. That's virtual real estate. Oh. I told him I didn't like the term. But, uh, <laughs> it's already, it's already in his head. So, but uh, cool. Are you going? Um, I think I might now that you just mentioned that. Okay. There's only four, 400 tickets left. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I gotta get on it. When is it again? It's September. September 22nd through 24th or 5th or something. It's four days. I'm only staying for th uh, three, but September 22nd through 25th. Okay. Tuesday I'll, through Wednesday through Saturday. I'll see what I can do. I know I'll be in Tampa the week after that. So. Right. The reason I brought that up is not because you have the things in your background there, which I I really I'm always <laughs> I always look at people's backgrounds when I'm interviewing them, and I'm so conscious of mine. But yeah, we talked about the you bought two courses that changed your life. Isn't that amazing? I mean, somebody you know like Jerry Norton, and then uh, you bought another course. These two guys put to gals who have they put together 
a course teaching you how to do something and make money with it. And Nick, you were one of the few, believe it or not, that actually implemented it, didn't try to change anything, didn't question it, didn't doubt it, just did it. And guess what? It worked. You made money, right? I love that. I love hearing those stories because um, it's just inspiring knowing that, you know, I have a course too, but like there are people out there like you, Nick, who have bought my course and implemented it and have changed their lives for the better. That's, that's so amazing. Congratulations. Well, and then, now you're doing the same thing too, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Okay. So uh, you bought a course. It taught you something about with, with something with overages, right? Yep. But in a different little niche. Talk about that. Yeah. So it taught me how to recover surplus funds from tax sales. So I'm sure everyone knows what a tax sale is, but if you don't, real basic, a tax sale is when somebody quits paying their property taxes, the county comes in and they auction off your property to recoup what's owed to them. However, what happens at these tax sales is investors like us will go and we'll bid on the properties because you can so you can get them for cheap, right? But the competitive bidding drives the price up and a lot of those properties sell for more than what's actually owed to the county. So simple example, if I owe $10,000 in property taxes and it goes to auction and an investor pays 50,000, well, the 10,000 is going to go to the county and then there's $40,000 $40, left over, which is what we refer to as an overage or a surplus of funds. Where, where does that money sit? So with tax sales, it usually sits with the county treasurer, or sometimes they will elect to deposit it in the county courthouse. Depends. It varies by state, but those are the two main places that the funds are held. And the county doesn't call or follow up with the person who owned the property and say, here, get here's your money? They will usually send out a letter notifying the homeowner, hey, there's this money available. They usually send it to the property that they foreclosed on, and this is weeks after the tax sale. And so if the homeowner's not living there and they've not left a forwarding address, they never get that notice. They never know about the fund. Yeah. Okay. And so you started doing that. You started making money with it. Mm -hmm. Is it a hard business to do or? It is. This is what I always say. The concept is very simple, but the execution is difficult. And what I mean by that is the concept is this. You're finding money owed to people. You're contacting them, offering to help them recover that. And you're getting a commission for your service. Simple concept, right? Doing it is another story, um, but that's like any real estate, I believe. Oh, yeah. Any business. Any business. Yeah. Any business can be simple, but actually doing it can be difficult. Sure. I get it. All right. So um, what I'm just curious too, in that business and the new kind of little twist on it that you're doing now, what are some of the challenges? Why is it? What is the work part of it? Yeah. Great question. So one of the challenges is when you're when you're searching for these people that are owed money. Now we talked about the tax sales, but you can also do this with mortgage foreclosures, right? And so when you're tracking these people down, sometimes if someone goes through a foreclosure or they lose a property to tax sale, they usually have other debts. They have people come looking for them, trying to collect on other debts. And so when they lose that property, they kind of want to stay under the radar because they don't want these other debt collectors finding them. So that's challenge number one is it can be hard to find them. It can be hard to track them down. You have to develop the skills of a detective and be able to skip trace, track people down who may not want to be found so that you can let them know, hey, there's money for you. The second challenge then is when you do find them is overcoming skepticism. Because when you tell someone, hey, you lost a property to tax sale foreclosure, but there's money for you, a red light, you know, alarms start going off in their head and they're like, what do you mean there's money for me? This sounds like a scam. 
And so you have to educate them on the process and say, hey, you explain to them what happened so that they understand, one, this is not a scam. It's real. And two, you just have to make, make it very clear that you're not charging anything up front for your service. You only get paid if you're successful in helping them. So All right. those are some of the two biggest challenges. Okay. So there's another type of overages or surpluses. And how did you stumble upon that niche? So in 2017, I transitioned from correction officer to full-time real estate. By the way, how much money were you making by the time you were doing this? So I, here's, this is actually a really good question. And this is something that I think a lot of, it's a, a trap that a lot of us fall into. So I had been successful in wholesaling. Uh, I had been successful in recovering overages. And I had also gotten my real estate license. So I was a realtor at one time. And when I left my job, I didn't really have a plan. I just was like, okay, I, I have been successful in three different things. Let me go out and I'll just do all three simultaneously and we'll be okay, right? That was my thinking, leaving my job. Were you married? I was married, yep. Um, was, she, was your wife working? Uh, she was at the time. Um, and then shortly after she got pregnant after I left. So it was a very stressful time, but she was all for it. She was like, you know, quit your job. Worst case scenario, you can go back to the prison. So I was very fortunate to have that support system. But my, my thinking was flawed to think that I was going to do three things simultaneously and be successful at all. Um, it was not the right move. For several months, I didn't get any traction. I didn't see a paycheck for almost six months after I left my job. Six months. Yeah. Yikes. Very stressful. And then what happened is I went to a foreclosure sale of a property in my neighborhood just to see. I was possibly interested in bidding on it. I didn't end up bidding on it. But there was another property that sold. And it sold for $30,000 more than what the opening bid was. And so because of my previous training with the tax sale overages, a light bulb went off. And I was like, I just walked up to the attorney after the sale. And I was like, hey, is the opening bid the amount that was owed to the bank? And he said, yes. I was like, okay, well, it sold for $30,000 more. So what happens to that extra money? He's like, well, it gets deposited in the local courthouse and the homeowner can petition the court to recover that money. So it's same concept as tax sales, but I could apply it to foreclosure. And I asked that attorney, could, could I help people recover that and you know charge a fee? He's like, yeah, sure. I don't see why not. Huh. And so in, in that moment in time, I was like, okay, I started doing research, looking through court records, going back through foreclosures. And what I discovered is there was a lot of money sitting in the courthouse. Serious. And I'm like, I'm going to focus on this. To heck with the realtor, to heck with the wholesaling strategies. I'm going to focus on this. And that's when I got traction. Man, that is so, so important. I hope you guys paid attention to that because I had the same problem. But I had the problem before I quit my job because I was trying to do lease options. I was trying to do wholesaling and I was trying to do subject twos and even thinking yeah. about doing short sales because yeah. that's everybody was doing short sales at the time in 2009, eight and nine. But it wasn't until I picked one strategy and honed in on it with like an eagle that is just focused on this one thing that's when I started having success and started making money. There's yep. something about that. You know, maybe you're good at multitasking, but I think that's a fallacy. I don't think anybody is really good at multitasking. You may think you are, yeah, but you're not. And, and well, explain that deeper then. Why, why was that? Why, you know, because it's not that hard to wholesale a deal, right? It's not that hard to find overages and to do listings and realtor stuff. Why, why was it challenging for you? 
I think what ends up happening if you're doing trying to do multiple strategies simultaneously, you'll work a little bit on one, you'll get a little progress. Then you go over here, you work a little bit on one, you get a little progress. And you're getting a little progress in each one. But if you're just doing one, your efforts start to compound and you start to make way more progress in that one thing than just a little bit of progress in multiple things. Mm-hmm. It kind of goes along, if you've ever read the book, The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy, yeah. if you haven't read that book, go read it. It's a really easy read. That will explain why it is that you should focus on one thing and just consistently do the things that are going to move you forward in that one thing. Yeah. All right, good. So you kept focusing on one thing then. And then what happened, Nick? And then we actually started seeing checks. And I was like, okay, this is working. And by the end of 2018, so fall 2017, I quit my job, no income for almost six months, focused on the overages after the foreclosure, got a couple checks in. So I was like, okay, I don't have to go back to the prison and just started, just started focusing, focusing. And by the end of 2018, I had made over a hundred thousand dollars, which I thought I had made it because like when you work as a corrections officer, I was making less than 50 K a year. Wow. So I was like, wow, I doubled my income within a year of quitting my job. But here's the caveat. 75% of that 100K came in the last quarter of 2018. So, and the reason I bring that up is sometimes guys, when you're doing something, you won't see results instantaneously. It may take a while. It may take several months yeah. before you see results, um, but you just got to stick with it. Yeah. I always say you got to dig your well before you're 30. I love that. Yeah. Because... It's like if you wait until you're thirsty and oh my gosh, I need some money and you start digging, it's going to take time. It takes time to find the deals and then it takes time to negotiate. It takes time to sell. And uh, you may not sell or flip every deal you get under contract either. It may take some time. Wow. Okay. So you made a hundred grand in the last quarter of the year. And did it keep on getting better? Yeah. Yep. 2019 rolled around and I, I cleared over 300K in 2019. Nice. So was this full-time thing for you? 40 hours a week? I would say yes, but at the at the end of the day, I don't think I was doing forty hours a week because I my son was born my first son was born in August of 2018, uh, so there was I was hanging out a lot with him. It didn't feel like I was working forty hours a week because I was well one working from home and just doing what I could when I wanted to, and so I would say I was putting in probably more like thirty hours, but who knows? I didn't track how many hours. <laughs> All right. Were you doing this virtually all over the country or just in your backyard? I started out in my backyard. And again, this goes to focus. So I tell my students, when you start out, focus on one area, focus on one market, whether it's a, a one state or a couple of counties within one state. And then as I got better and I mastered that one area, then I started to branch out. So I started out in my home state of Utah. Fast forward to today, I've done deals in over 12 different states now. 12 different states. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about the process. You find a foreclosure. Does it matter how old the foreclosure is? Could it have been 10 years ago? It depends on the state. So that's a, that's a, another challenge to this business is when you go into another state, the process is going to be different. The process of figuring it out is the same, but the um, the laws are different. You just have to figure out, okay, what is the process that I need to go through to learn how to do this in the state? And I, that's what I teach, but I'll walk you through the process. There's a simple five-step formula that you can do. I call it the overage profitability formula. 
So remember this or write this down. C4 plus P, five step. Step number one is you got to create your lead. How do you do that? Simply monitor foreclosure sales and tax sales. See which properties sell for more than the debt owed. Number two, uh, conduct research. What that means is you got to find the people owed the money. This is commonly known as a skip tracing. Find their contact info so that you can reach out to them, which leads us to step three, which is contact your leads. Whether it's via phone, text message, email, social media message, however you can get in touch with them, it doesn't matter. Just get in touch with them and let them know their own money and how you can help them. Number four is to uh, contract. So you have signed a, a fee agreement, a simple five-page fee agreement. Say, this is what I'm going to do for you. If I'm successful, I'm going to get this much percentage. And then profit is when you submit your paperwork. This is the final step. You can submit it on your own, or I like to use attorneys. Submit your claim, wait for the check to come. Nice. So you use attorneys. I do. And uh, are they just kind of writing the letters for you on their letterhead? Yeah, they're writing letters, or if they're... Sometimes the money is in a court system, so you have to petition the court. You have to use an attorney for that process. Or sometimes it's just easier to use an attorney so that when the money comes, the attorney can deposit it into their trust account and then disperse two checks, one to you and one to the client. That way, everything is clean. It's handled by a third party. It just well, it also it. gives you more credibility, doesn't it? With the seller, 100%. previous owner. Yep. You're not some fly-by-night guy. You're, yeah. you're working with an attorney and it's all legit. Yep. 100%. So are these kinds of foreclosures hard to find? Um, no, I mean, it's just a matter of monitoring foreclosure sales, which there's tons of sites online that you can do that. You know, you have like auction.com. So you're monitoring current foreclosures. Yes. What about foreclosures that happened a couple years ago? You can do that as well. You can go through, you know, public records or court records. And because there's like some states, you know, there's two types of foreclosures, right? There's judicial and non-judicial. Judicial has to go through a court system. So that's public record. You can go through and see, okay, here's a foreclosure case. How much, how much did they owe? How much did it sell for? Oh, there's some money here and nobody's claimed it. So you can do that. With tax sales, it's a little easier. There are actually lists of funds that you, the counties have an accounting of, okay, here's this person and here's how much they're owed. So you can get these lists online as well. Um, and so you can, there's two ways to generate leads. You can either gather lists from public records or online or create your own lists just by monitoring tax and foreclosure sale. Okay. What percentage of foreclosures actually have money owed on them? Would you guess? Great question. I would say the, it's not the majority. I would say maybe 20% of foreclosures generate an overage. I, what I will say though, is I think that number is going up because we've experienced in our economy, like a lot of appreciation and a lot of markets. And if, if sellers don't sell and it does go to auction because of the competitive nature of real estate right now, these investors are paying premium dollars at the auction for properties, which is generating a lot of overage. Yeah. It's not uncommon in some markets for somebody to lose their home and have a six-figure overage waiting for them. Wow. Yeah. Depending the percentage of the ones that have the overages, do, do the owners actually even go and try to recover themselves, by themselves? Um, I would say the majority of folks do not recover on their own. There is always some folks that will, and that's like any service-based business, right? So my business is a service-based business, and there is always a percentage of people that would prefer to do it themselves. But it's just like, I use this example, changing the oil in your car. Very easy to do, right? Even if you're not mechanically inclined, you can go watch a 10-minute video and know how to change the oil in your car. But what do most of us do? We roll down to the Jiffy Lube or the Grease Monkey or whatever, and we pay somebody to do it for us for convenience. 
And so that's the same in this business. The majority of people would rather pay somebody to do it for them because you also have to understand if someone's gone through a foreclosure or a tax sale, it's usually a traumatic event that caused that to happen. And yeah. they don't want to revisit that. They just rather have someone do it for them. Yeah, just put it behind them. Yep. And there's still foreclosures today. Yes, absolutely. Even in the hot market like we are in. Oh, yeah. Nice. Do you, have you seen foreclosures increase since COVID happened? What I have seen is a wave forming. So what I mean by that is, for example, tax sales. Last year, a lot of tax sales were canceled. This year, tax sales are happening and we're having an abundance of inventory. So there's last year's inventory, this year's inventory. So there's a ton of foreclosures happening. Um, same with foreclosures. I think we're going to see another wave now that the uh, moratorium is starting to end in a lot of states. Um, but even the, even during the pandemic, not all foreclosures ended. There were still foreclosures happening in certain areas, depending yeah. on the type of loan somebody had. Okay. Now talk about uh, your average profits. You know, what, what, how, how much do you make on average on one of these deals? So I would say the average profit is between five and 10,000. Uh, these are smaller profit deals. You know, these aren't, you know, you're not going to make six figures on an overage deal like you may on a, some fancy fix and flip. But five and five and 10K is the average. And I would say, how much time are you investing? You know, you may, it depends on the deal, but if you're just researching, reaching out to someone, calling them and sending them a contract, the total time invested is not a lot, maybe five to 10 hours per deal. And so average is five to 10K. My highest profit deal ever though has been around 30K. 30K, wow. Yep. I had a student that did 40K on their first wow. deal. So, And then um, you can do this virtually from anywhere. Yes. Yep. You don't have to go see the properties. You don't nope. have to go to the courthouse. Nope. Nice. What, what are some of your favorite ways to reach out to sellers? Is it just calling them? Do you also do direct mail? Calling seems to be the most effective. I have done deals with direct mail. It really, it's really interesting. What I've seen is there's a pattern. If you're dealing with folks that are maybe 40 plus, calling or a letter is usually the best way to get a hold of them. If they're under that 40, uh, texting actually works very well. And even email or just reaching out via social media. I've found people just messaging them on Facebook and saying, hey, did you own this property? And they'll say, yeah, I did. And I'll say, well, here's the deal. So I use any means available. But again, yeah, if you're of that 40 plus age group, calling and letters seem to work very well. Under that, just texting people. Okay, very cool. And do you have virtual assistants that help you with any of this, doing the research or? I do, yes. So that's a great question. And sometimes I think some people go into real estate strategies and they think, okay, well, I'm going to outsource everything to a VA. If you have that mindset, I just caution you and just say this, make sure you go through the process yourself at least a few times so that you can be able to evaluate whether your VA is doing a good job or not. Oh yeah, for sure. So, but yes, I do have VAs that build lead lists for me, do skip tracing for me. I've even had VAs call people and close deals for me. So Yeah, well, that's awesome. Let's see if we have any questions here. Shari. Hi, Shari from Minnesota. Elmo Torres waiting to go to St. Louis. Come on. And uh, All Nighter is here from San Diego. Juan, you're welcome. Chris says, Nick is on a roll. Do you know Chris? I have seen Chris. What's up, Chris? Good to see you, man. All Nighter Hider. All Nighter Hider. There is no multitasking. Only the switching of focus. You're right. Okay, good question here from Robert Brown, the third. What is the percentage split between you and the seller? Good question. Yeah. So my average split is around 30%, meaning I get 30, the homeowner gets 70. I've charged as low as 5%. That was on the six-figure overage, massive overage. I still made 
that was still a five-figure profit even charging that little. On some of the small deals, like if you've got something where maybe there's only 10,000 or less, those ones, I'm going to do like a 50-50 split. So everything is negotiable in this business, but my average is around 30%. Nice. Is it possible to share screen, Joe? Yeah, yeah. I just want to share with you kind of going back to your question, how many foreclosures are happening? I can give you an example of... Yeah. Okay, what I'm going to show you guys, this is a... um. This is a list of, can you see this okay? Yeah, can you zoom in? There you go. So this is a list of foreclosures that generated overages or surplus funds. In what state or county or? This is going to be uh, Maricopa County, Arizona. And these are foreclosures with surpluses? Yes. And so I the, see more than one page there. This is an eight page list. Nice. So you, on the left hand side is the name of the homeowner. This is the date the funds were deposited. All of these are within the last two or three years. Um, then there's how much overage is owed to them. And then there's a case number. So in Arizona, they deposit the funds in the court record. Wow. So you can kind of see, okay, what are we dealing with? You know, there's a, there's some that are very small. You know, here's 8,000. What's the difference between amount received and case balance? So case balance is probably what's currently on on balance with the with the court. So here's a good example. This one right here. So the, the received amount was 188 and there's still 94 left. So that means somebody else claimed it. That may mean there was a second mortgage or maybe okay. there was an HOA lien. Um, somebody had a claim on that, maybe IRS, back tax, yeah. but there's still something left over. So there's still money to there to recover. That's a lot of money. Look at all that money. Yeah, it's 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 substantial. I mean, I can tell you New Jersey, for example, they have $300 million on deposit from foreclosure mm-hmm. sales. And so this is one county in in the United States. Wow. Obviously, Maricopa is a large county. Now, did, did you put this, did you have a virtual assistant or somebody per, put this list together? This is actually one that you can find online. Wow. But I do, in some states, it's tough to get this info. So I'll have my my virtual assistant make lists like these for me. Now, when you're watching the foreclosure list, you're kind of building it as you go. Yes, correct. Okay, but then how do you find out how much they actually owed on the property? Is that in the is that in the foreclosure filings? Yeah, if it's in the court records, there'll be what's called a a judgment. So the judgment is what's owed to the bank, um, and so you can find that in the court records and say, okay, here was the judgment. If it's one fifty and it sold at auction for two hundred, okay, then you know there's something there. If the judgment's one fifty and it sells for one forty, well. That's that's a dead lead, right? There's nothing there. All right. Very cool. Got some good questions here from folks. Chris says, yo. <laughs> Shari is asking, how do you know what to charge? Well, we I think we just talked about that, 30%. I guess there's a little bit, depending on how difficult the case is. Because sometimes, so here's a little tip for you guys. If the case is you know a little more advanced, and what I mean by that, it, let's say you're dealing with um, an estate case, meaning the homeowner has passed away and you're helping heirs recover funds. It's going to take a little more extra legwork on your part. And so I would say I would use that as a reason to maybe justify a higher percentage. Okay. D is asking, how do I get started? What's a beginner's first step? We'll talk about that in a second. We'll give you Nick's website here in a minute. Uh, Would something like this work in a highly competitive market like California? Yeah, I've done deals, several deals in California. So yes, I'll be honest with you guys. There's competition in this business now, but is the comp? How do we? It depends how you look at it, right? Because like, I would I be listen. This is important. I would be concerned if there was no competition. That's a great point. Because because there is means it's actually good. There's people yeah. making money with it. All right, go ahead. 
Yeah, no, that's a great point, actually. Uh, if there is no competition in business, then is it even a viable business? Yeah. <laughs> but here's yeah, the thing. Yeah. You know, if when I was a real estate agent, I know there's over a thousand real estate agents in my state. People doing this, less than a hundred. So there's still competition, but it's considerably less compared to other strategies out there. And, and, and even if there is now, you got to just do something that your competition's not doing, like picking up the phone, like calling, like texting, like sending Facebook messages and yeah. Instagram DMs, right? Yep. There's, right. there's a very common question people always ask. They always ask, what's the easiest state to get started in? Here's the reality, guys. There is no easy state. Every state has its challenges. Uh, you just want to ask, well, what challenges do you want to face and overcome? Florida, for you know, Florida, for example, very easy to generate leads in Florida, and there's a lot of them. But because it's easy to get the information, there are more people doing it in Florida. So your challenge there is, okay, how do you overcome the competition? How do you differentiate yourself? Whereas we just did a deal in New York. New York was very tough to generate leads, very hard to get the information. But the flip side of that is there's hardly anybody doing it there, at least where yeah. we were. So, yeah. And it's a good appreciating market. So you're yep. going to have, we'd be more likely to find overages mm -hmm. there. Yep. Okay. Well, let's, let me ask you that real quick. In some of those difficult markets where it's hard to get that information, how do you do it? What do you, what are some things that you do to get those lists? So you got to dig. And what I mean by that is you've got to do a lot of experimentation, meaning you're going to be reaching out to several different entities. You know, the first place that I recommend if you're looking for a list is go to the county treasurer's office. If that doesn't work, go to the clerk of the court. If that doesn't work, go to the public information officer. And you're just going to, it's kind of a, it's a search, right? You're just digging, trying to find the information that you need. And you may have to reach out to several different entities to find that information. And so, you know, it could be a, a, a third party that has the info, but Here's what I found as you reach out to different people, they may not know, but sometimes they'll put you in touch with somebody who they might not even know either, but they leave little breadcrumbs and you just follow the trail. And so that's kind of what I teach in my students is don't worry so much, you know, how you're going to get the lead, but how do you find it? How do you figure out the process for where you want to start? And I love that. The harder the list is to get, the more profitable and easy it's going to be once you figure it out. Yep. Nobody else is doing it. Yep. Very good. Chris is asking here, what's the difference between a tax lien certificate and an overage, which is first before the other, so to speak? So a tax lien is when somebody, a tax lien is where someone's owed property taxes and investors can purchase that lien and earn a return on it. If the homeowner doesn't pay that lien back plus the interest owed, the investor can foreclose on the lien. And at the time of foreclosure, that's what will generate an overage. Yeah. If they pay more than what was owed to the county. All right, cool. Question from Al. Could you use something like PropStream to get a list of foreclosures from? Are there big nationwide list providers that can do this and help you with it? Here's the challenge I found with list providers. In our business, you need to know the post-sale data, meaning how much did it sell for and did it sell to a third-party investor? Okay, And some list providers don't have that data. That's why you got to monitor it in live, in live time. Uh, because here's the thing, guys. If a property goes, if it goes to auction and it sells back to the bank, there's no overage there. Overages are only generated when they're purchased by third-party investors at the auction sale. Because the bank will buy it for what it's owed, what's exactly. owed on it, right? Okay. Exactly. Yep. Interesting. 
Well, you know, here's the thing. Even if it's a list that's hard to get a hold of, of past overages, if you're tracking it yourself, it's a lot easier, isn't it? Yeah. Because if you I, can see a, a list of the foreclosures and then track them yeah. every week, see if it's sold or not and how much it's sold for. So even in a county where it's hard to get past information, do you understand what I'm saying? It, mm-hmm. If you, if, if, This is where it's good to start in your own backyard. Yeah. Right. You, you have an advantage, like if you live in California, let's say you live in L.A. County, you have an advantage over someone like me because you could you could send somebody to the auction. You could go to the auction or you could you're local, right? You can knock on people's doors. You can get to them faster than I can. You can get the information faster. But if you don't want to work California, you're not limited either to yeah. your home state. Yeah, very cool. The thing I love about this, too, is if you're traveling around Europe and you're living in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, you can do this from anywhere in the country. If you have access right. to the internet, you can do this business. Robert's asking a good question, but I think we already answered it. We already kind of talked about the start to finish the steps. So maybe if you missed it, rewind. On average, though, once you find one, how long does it take to get paid? Great question. If so, once you file your claim with whoever's holding the funds, it will take about three to four months to get the money. So th- keep that in mind. That's one of the the yeah, cons is if you're needing quick money, you know, maybe this isn't the right one for you. Like wholesaling, you can make money faster, right? But when you start to stack deals on deals and you have several payout, then that's really nice. Um, And the reason it takes so long, we're dealing with courts, we're dealing with governments. They move at their own pace and it's not a fast pace. Yeah. So three to four months on average, sometimes longer. All right. Any more questions? We've got a good comment here from Patrick, I think. Let me zoom, scoop my head up here. Great podcast, Joe and Nick. I joined late. Sorry if this question was already answered. Which state is your favorite? Oh, we already answered that. Which <laughs> state is your favorite to do surplus deals? And I'm in Florida and I've actually completed one deal a few years ago. I got to hand a lady a check for 18 grand nice. for a $36,000 surplus. So maybe his fee was 18 grand. That's awesome, Patrick. Yeah, we, we already talked about that. My favorite state is where there's money available to claim. Yeah. <laughs> is there any state where there is no money to be claimed? Is there any state where it just does not work? Um, what I have found is for some reason, Oregon, the way they do their tax sales doesn't seem to generate overages and their foreclosures. They do have surplus, but they don't, they don't have a ton of foreclosure inventory in Oregon. So I don't like Oregon. Uh, Colorado is another state I don't like. Those are the two off the top of my head. Come on, Matt Andrews. In the house, what's going on, Matt? What's up, Matt? <laughs> Matt connected us actually. It was in that uh, mastermind where I saw Nick. What's up, Matt? See you in a few weeks, a couple, months. yeah, something like that. All right, yeah. So again, D's asking. I just want to know how to get more information. <laughs> so give me the website. What? How do people get a hold of you, Nick? I would go to my website, Overage Syndicate. So O V E R A G E S Y N D I C A T E. That it? Uh, yep, that's it. O V E R A G E, Overage Syndicate, S Y N D I C A T E, Overage Syndicate.com. Cool. And what do you what do you have at that website there? So I've got a free training there that you guys can access. I go through the entire five step process we talked about today, but in more detail. And I have a ton of free content on YouTube, same name, Overage Syndicate on YouTube. You guys can find, you know, testimonials, case studies of actual deals that I've done, that my students have done, and frequently asked questions are answered there. 
So those are two good resources for you guys. Nice. Overagesyndicate.com. Sheree, very interesting podcast. Thank you, Joe and Nick. You're welcome. Thank you. The question from D, does the age of the case make a difference? I think we already talked about that, but. Depends on the state, yeah. Question from Deborah: what happens to the overage if the seller does not claim it? Is there a deadline after which they can no longer claim it? And does the county get to keep all the money? That's a, such, that's a really good question. So yes, in some states, there is a deadline. For example, that list I showed you in Arizona. In Arizona, they got two years. So what happens after the two years and they don't claim it? The state gets to keep it or the county gets to keep it and they use it for their own purposes. And that's a big reason why this business exists is because the counties, the governments, they have no financial interest in actually tracking these people down. Yeah. They... There are some states they do not like people like me because I'm basically taking money out of the state's slush fund. Which and is, they don't like that. <laughs> no, no. But that's why. And that's why it's important to, to help. And this is one of the reasons why I love this business. It's a true service. I believe that these, these people lost their homes. They need this money. I've had clients that have been on the streets waiting for me to get their money so they can go find a place to live. It is a true service. You are truly helping people. And frankly, I don't I don't believe the government should get money from people that lost their home to foreclosure. You know, I've always said too, when the, the IRS keeps your money also, yeah. right? If you overpay in your taxes and they charge you interest if you're late, but are they going to pay you interest for holding your money? No, no, they're not. And you'll see, Joe, on some of these, like New Jersey, you see how much interest they're making on some of these states, like it's millions of dollars. And so it's, and they get to keep it. They're not going to give that back. What it's a great. racket. Anyway. <laughs> uh, All Night or Hider, you have a YouTube channel? Yes, it's called Overages Syndicate. Go check that out. And Al is asking us for the legal documents. Do we need to have them? Yeah, you, you do. And that's what Nick has done here at OverageSyndicate.com. Hey, Nick, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, Joe. It was good being here, man. I appreciate, appreciate it. Will you be in Tampa? I will. All four days. Mastermind. Awesome. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll see you all later. Take care, everybody. Thank you again, yeah. Nick. Bye-bye. Thank you.